Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. See why? It's really good. You're in the splash zone today right here. Okay. All right. Hold the... Okay. Oh, no. Stop. 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 No. Stop. Stop. Oh, oh, no. Okay. You're too kind. All right. So, okay. So, we got a little switchy room of the schedule today, which means that we got morning mass. That's pretty great. So... So um, a number of years ago, I got a, the awesome opportunity to go to the Holy Land for a pilgrimage, and uh, in a f- two years, in 2023, I'll be the chaplain for a Damascus pilgrimage Stop. to the Holy Land. Uh, one of the coolest parts of that trip was actually going to Bethany, uh, celebrating. I got to celebrate Mass in the church of the Basilica of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, where like the gospel, uh, like where the feast day uh, that today we're celebrating where it occurs. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, they were Jesus' friends. Jesus had friends, did you know that? Yeah, yeah he had friends. And uh, he wants to be your friend, which is so good. All right, so here's where I want to start for this homily today. Is I want us to consider for a moment, what is God's deepest desire in his heart for you? Um, in particular, for, for you and him. What does God desire with you? And if I could put it in a single word, it's the word intimacy. Say intimacy. 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 Intimacy is deep, deep friendship, deep communion, like a sharing of life, a sharing of hearts, a kind of knowing and being known. St. Augustine, who's one of my heroes, he put it this way. He said, the deepest longing in the human heart is to know and be known by another. Like, we have this longing in our hearts, like, I just want to be deeply loved, deeply loved, perfectly loved. God's desire for us is intimacy, to dwell, to share life together. You know, some of our our, uh, other Christian Protestant brothers and sisters, they love to ask the question, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Every Catholic should be able to say yes to that question. But every Catholic should follow up that question with this question is, is that all you think that Jesus wants with you? A personal relationship. Like, I have personal relationships with lots of people, right? I I have personal relationships with, um, so at the last parish I was assigned to, I would go to this coffee shop all the time called Phoenix Coffee. There was a guy there, uh, he was a barista, you know, the guy who makes the coffee, right? They're usually covered in tattoos. They look like a missionary here. Um, So, ho! (laughs) shade tossing shade all right so my barista there his name was zeke okay zeke had uh he was covered in sleeve tattoos zeke had big piercings in his ears and uh zeke knew my order he always knew i wanted a tall uh cafe americano so like big shots of espresso lots of hot water like kind of a coffee so (laughs) So Zeke knew my order. Zeke knew I was a priest. I knew his name was Zeke. I knew that Zeke uh, had three kids. I knew he was married, and that was kind of about it. We had a, I mean, we had a relationship. It was a personal relationship. I wouldn't say it was intimacy. I wouldn't say it was deep sharing of life, right? See, Jesus 
the Trinity, the Holy Trinity's desire from start to finish throughout the scriptures is like intimacy with us. God wants a kind of relationship that in the scriptures, the image that God gives throughout the scriptures, the image that, that's the best image to describe the kind of relationship he wants with us is that of marriage. God wants union with us. He wants a deep, deep relationship where, like, if you've ever, who's, raise your hand if you've been to a wedding. Yeah. Beautiful. So at every single wedding, you've got a bride and groom who stand in front of an altar, and they look at each other, they're looking beautiful and handsome, and they are heart, their hearts are full of love, and they pronounce vows to each other. And those vows are basically saying, I promise to give everything of me to you. I promise to let you into everything that is my life. I promise to give you everything. I promise to show you everything. I promise to share with you everything. And when people get married, they don't go back home and live in separate houses. They move in together. They share life together. They dwell together. Intimacy, right? This is God's desire, and it's on every page of the scriptures. From the very beginning, God fashions a universe out of nothing by the sheer power of his word. He says, let there be light, and there's light. Let the waters come forth, they come forth. Let the sky separate from the waters below. Let the land come forth. Let there be vegetation and plants and animals and creepy, crawly things and things that swarm and swim. And at the culmination of this whole thing, what God is doing, he's making a space. He's making time and space. He's making a temple. The universe is a grand, huge, cosmic temple where God and humanity, everyone go like this, God and humanity could dwell together dwell together. Eden, paradise, was God's original plan. Genesis talks about God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, it says, in the cool of the day, dwelling with them, sharing life with them, intimacy. But we know that this plan was interrupted by an enemy, right? We talked about that enemy just the other day, the enemy who hates us and out of envy of us went to war against us to separate us, to separate us. But God, we know, God loves us so much, he said, I'm going to set things right. I'm coming after you. That's what we heard yesterday. You are the pearl of great price. You are the treasure in the field. I'm coming after you because I don't want this separation. I want intimacy. I want to share life with you. I want you to know me. I want to fill your heart. I want you to be flooded with mercy and beauty and goodness. I want to satisfy you in every way possible. So God launches a rescue mission. It's called Israel. Say Israel. Israel. Israel, the whole project of Israel, the entire story of the New Testament is God slowly forming a people and creating new spaces for humanity and divinity to dwell together, for God to restore the intimacy. We heard about that in the first reading, right? So you have to think back. So God calls Abraham. He makes him the father. He says, you're going to be the father of multitudes, father of a great nation, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they're super old, like crazy old, like older than your great-grandparents. And they have a kid. Awkward, right? Okay. It's pretty awkward for Sarah at her, like, women's sewing club. She's got this big pregnant belly. They're like, what is going on with you? She's like, I don't know. I'm so old. All right. So <laughs> Abraham, I, Abraham has a son named Isaac, Right? God spares Isaac's life on the top of the mountain. Isaac has a son named Jacob. 
Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? We've heard about the 12 tribes, yes? Yes or yes? yes. Good. These 12 tribes, a famine strikes the land, and they go to Egypt. They go to Egypt to get food, to get grain from the Pharaoh. Little do they know that their younger brother Joseph, who they sold into slavery, Joseph goes to Egypt. He rises to power in the Egyptian court. He becomes an advisor to the Pharaoh. His brothers come to Egypt. They beg for bread. There's this huge, wonderful family reunion. All of Israel's 12 sons, all of their extended family, they settle in Egypt. They stay there, and they begin to grow and multiply. First, there's a few hundred. Then there's a few thousand. Then there's tens of thousands. And then it says, a new king comes to power who doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't know Joseph's God, and he enslaves the people. And it's into this context God sends a deliverer named Moses. And we know this story, right? Who's seen the Prince of Egypt? Oh, yeah. If you have not seen the Prince of Egypt, got to see the Prince of Egypt. I can be miracles. All right, so God sends Moses to his people, delivers them out of slavery, right? They go through this desert wandering. You remember the whole splitting the Red Sea, come to the base of Mount Sinai. Moses comes down. He's got the Ten Commandments, right? which are like the expression of God's heart. He's basically saying these Ten Commandments, these are not God's arbitrary rules. It's not as though God was like, all right, listen, Israelites, I, just, I, don't, want you to have enough, I don't want you to have a lot of fun, so I'm going to give you some rules. No. Like, it was as God is liberating his people, 430 years of slavery in Egypt, he frees them. He delivers them. It was his doing. And he's basically saying, if you would still be free Follow these commandments. If you want to have life and flourishing, follow these commandments. So these commandments, right? God is leading them out of slavery into freedom. They go into the desert wandering. These people begin to grumble. They're saying, Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt? We are starving out here. God hears their complaint and he brings bread from heaven. He feeds his people. So then God instructs Moses, he says, I want, to, I want you to build a special vessel and a special place. So God instructs Moses to build what's called the ark. We heard about the ark yesterday. Mary at the lake was telling us about the ark yesterday. The ark was this specially designed box made of acacia wood, and it was covered in gold on every side. And inside the box, inside the ark, were, was the word of God inscribed in stone. There was also a golden container that held the miraculous bread that came down from heaven every day. And also there was the staff, the priestly staff of Aaron. Inside the ark was the word, the bread, and the priesthood of Aaron. The word, the bread, and the priesthood. This ark was placed in a tent called the tabernacle. Anybody heard that word before, tabernacle? Yeah, kind of interesting, right? Okay. Tabernacle. It says that God's glory descends upon the tabernacle. The tabernacle becomes the place where God dwells among his people. But the tabernacle was a temporary place. Because eventually when they come into the promised land, all of this, the tent, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, it gets placed inside of a brand new space called the temple. 
God instructs Solomon to build this massive temple. And inside the temple is this place called the Holy of Holies, where the priests take the tent, the tabernacle, and they place the Ark of the Covenant inside the tabernacle, inside the, the Holy of Holies. And the temple in Jerusalem became the place where, everyone with me, God and humanity dwelled together. Because, again, God's desire is intimacy with us. He wants to have closeness with us, a deep, deep relationship with us. But it gets even better because in the fullness of time, God wasn't just simply, he didn't simply want to dwell in stone and metal and wood or gold. In the fullness of time, God made a new ark, not made of wood, not made of gold, but made of flesh. He made a new Eden, a new paradise where his presence would dwell. Hand me the lecture there, Tony. Give it up for Tony. The Holy Spirit comes to Mary in Nazareth through the person of the angel Gabriel and says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's only one place in the, in the entire Bible where the word overshadow occurs. When the Holy Spirit, when the cloud descends upon the tabernacle, in the Old Testament, which is the first reading we just heard. The angel Gabriel says to Mary, you are going to become the new tabernacle, the new dwelling place where God and humanity dwell together. The psalm we just said, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord mighty God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord mighty God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord mighty God. Mary opens herself. She says, yes, let it be done unto me according to thy word. She conceives God in her womb. Mary becomes the dwelling place of the most high God. Mary is the place where heaven and earth smash together. What's happening at this mass, what Mass Monkey is talking about, first happened at the Annunciation. Amen? Amen. Heaven and earth smash together. Heaven and earth come together. Because again, God's desire is not mere friendship. He doesn't just merely want like, he doesn't want to just simply be bros with you. <laughs> like, as great as that is, God wants a relationship with you that can be only described in terms of intimacy. He wants to be so close to you. He's wild about you. He thinks you're amazing. You might think you're a piece of garbage. You might think, I have nothing to offer the world. You might think, I am a, like, a piece of junk to be thrown away, to be cast aside. You might think, nobody cares about me. Nobody is interested in me. Nobody will ever notice me. God looks at you and says, just like my mother, I long to dwell in you. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord mighty God. What happened at, to Mary at the Annunciation happens to us at every single Mass. Every single Mass. For nine months, Jesus grew in silence inside of his mother. 
Any of you right now have moms who are pregnant with another baby? Anybody? Anybody? Is there anybody here? Nobody? Have any, has anybody ever seen a pregnant lady? Okay. All right. Cool. Just curious about that. All right. Have you ever thought about this? When you ever see someone who's pregnant, you're looking at a person with another person inside of them? There's a person dwelling in another person. It's pretty amazing. As you know, we heard it from Juan Diego yesterday, the image of Our Lady Guadalupe. The way that Mary's depicted on that tilma, on that cloak, there's a sash. Mary has this black sash across her, across her waist. For the Aztec people who, like, who saw the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, that image of the black sash was a sign of pregnancy. The very first time Mary shows up in the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, she shows up as pregnant. Listen to this. Buckle up. They've done studies of this. They've done studies of the tilma, the image, and they've hooked it up to a sonogram, which is the instrument that listens to a woman when she's pregnant to hear the heartbeat of the baby. They've placed, the son- they placed a sonogram instrument on the image of Our Lady Guadalupe. You can hear two heartbeats coming from the image. That's true. That is totally true. Heartbeats coming from this image. Friends, I just want you to hear and see that God thinks so highly of you that he longs to dwell in you. Like in this mass, as Jesus is placed upon your hand, as he's placed upon your tongue, as he enters your body, like hear the Lord saying, how lovely is the dwelling place of the Most High God. He dwells in you. Like the tabernacle that's in the chapel over here, as you've all seen every time you've come into the lodge, you genuflect and you move on. That tabernacle is amazing and gorgeous. But that sucker's bolted down. It's not going anywhere. Like Jesus is desiring living tabernacles, amen? amen? Like he needs living tabernacles. He needs people to like bear his presence out into the world. So like the same Jesus who was in the monstrous last night, who was sitting in front of you face to face, the same Jesus that we were singing and praising and just being wrecked by last night, that same Jesus is literally going to come into your body. Like last night, all we did was look with our eyes, which is amazing. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But all we did was look today. And at every Mass, we taste, we see, and he enters in. The flesh of God touches your flesh. The beating heart of Jesus enters into your beating heart. You become a living tabernacle. You become just like her. What happened to her at the Annunciation happens in this Mass. Because God's desire for you is intimacy. I want to share life with you. I want to be close to you. I want nothing to be in between us. My brothers and sisters, like as we worship, as we worship in this mass, I want to encourage us to still be as wild and as reckless as we were last night because the same Jesus who we just simply looked at is going to enter us to dwell in our flesh as living tabernacles. Amen.